Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Mission Life Church. I love the fact that you have joined us here this morning. I say it every week. You could go anywhere, but you're here. I love that. With you, I have missed you. Uh, I have missed not only face to face with you, but I've just been over the last couple of weeks. I've actually been gone on vacation with my family, and I love the fact that you're so generous as a church to allow me the space to go rest, to go vacation, and to make memories, and to come back a little bit more refreshed to be here with you. And I love the fact that we had some amazing guest speakers, Pastor Jeff Priest and Pastor Jim Glenn, come and speak, and you guys loved it. In fact, I think you loved it a little bit too much. But uh, I love that I'm back. And uh, some of you might be wondering, well, where did you go, Aaron? Where did you go on vacation? Well, early July, we ended up going out to the desert, spent a couple days out there, fantastic time. And then we came back for a couple days, and then we cruised up to Tahoe and Truckee. And that's about an eight-hour drive. And so I don't know about you, but when uh, I go on road trips with my family, especially my girls who are 11, seven and a half, and five, I'll be honest with you. As much as I'm trying to plan a great vacation for them to make memories and enjoy that, I'm also trying to plan pockets of peace for myself, okay? <laughs> so literally the night before, as I'm charting the course and I'm looking at, okay, we're going to drive eight hours in a minivan and there's always chaos that is going to ensue in that process. What can I do to minimize? What can I do to control that environment? And so one of the biggest priorities I had was I said, okay, we gotta make sure that all of the iPads, Kindles, screens need to be fully charged and headphones ready to go so that the girls can literally disconnect from us in the drive. Now, this is the first year we would actually be able to do that. And so I was actually really excited about that. So about two hours into the drive, and in the midst of chaos and everything like that, it was like, okay, it's time. You guys can go on your screens now. And there was this moment where, where my wife and I looked at each other, and we said, wait, 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 what is that? Oh, that's silence. I, I've heard about this thing. It was amazing. It was incredible. It was a pocket of peace, and I was delighting in it for however long it would last. Now, my guess is, is that there's something in your life right now that, that you're wanting to find a little bit, bit of peace from as well. There, there's something in your life right now where you're feeling a little bit out of control, and so you're really working hard to control a situation or a circumstance or even a, a conflict or a person or something to bring you a little bit of peace, even if it's just for a little while. I, I don't know, maybe it's finances. Uh, maybe it's your health. Maybe it's the concerns that you have of what's going on in our country or our nation, or maybe it's the, the concerns about the injustices you're seeing and, you, and you're wanting to do something about it and you're stressed out about it and you're, you're trying to control certain things and yet you wanna stop feeling out of control. And so I think for many of us, we can resonate with this idea of wanting peace. And if you feel like this right now or if you have felt like this at some point or my guarantee is you're probably gonna feel like this at some point, what do you do about it? How can you actually uh, find a little bit of freedom from that stress, from that burden, from that weight, from that anxiety, from that worries? 
I'm so glad that you're here this morning because we're going to talk all about that. We're in a series called Recalculating, and we're, if you think about it, we're all just trying to adjust to the constant changes that are going on in our world, and it can be absolutely exhausting, can't it? I mean, we're just looking for a little bit of peace, and then when we think we get it, it's gone. And some of us, we're not sure about what the future holds, and so suddenly we find ourselves filled with worry, we're sleepless, or we're operating out of fear. But what if we could live with a little bit more freedom? What if we could actually move from a place of feeling out of control, and instead of trying to get everything under control, we actually release control? Today, we're going to see how releasing control in the right way can actually bring us freedom, the freedom that we long for and that God actually ultimately wants to give to us. And so just take a moment right now. Is there an area in your life right now where you are feeling stressed? What would it look like for you to feel a little bit more freedom in that right now? So here's why I need this, you guys. I'll be honest, because I can deceive myself about this whole thing. You know, thinking back to my vacation example, can you imagine if I spent the entire uh, planning of our family vacation around my peace? It would be horrible for my family, and it would be stressful and horrible for me. When we center our life around trying to control those kinds of things, it actually is more devastating and destructive than we care to admit. And yet I continue to find myself falling into that trap. So I'm really excited to talk about this today because I need this too. So how can we step into releasing control in the right way and find greater freedom? Well, the first thing is to be aware of two common mistakes that we all can make that keep us out of control or striving to find control instead of releasing it. And here is the first mistake. If you're taking notes, you'll want to write this down or you can follow along in the digital bulletin as well right there. But we're going to start in James chapter 4. And so if you have a Bible, turn there. You can follow along right there uh, in the bulletin. And here's the first mistake right out of James chapter four, and it's this. We tend to believe we're more in control than we really are. We tend to believe we're more in control than we really are. See, in the book of James, uh, James is writing to a group of Jewish Christians, and he's trying to help correct their double-mindedness. Now, what does double-mindedness mean? It means literally that they were placing their um, commitment or their way of thinking to do two different places. Uh, double-mindedness in one way saying, okay, I'm going to follow what God says. And then in other ways, I'm going to follow what the world says. And James is trying to help correct them in that. And the reason why they were being double-minded is because they were facing many trials. Are we in some trials right now? Are you in some trials right now? Absolutely. And the temptation is, wherever you're at in your spiritual journey with God, is to rely upon the ways that come naturally in the world to deal with those trials or to trust in this God. And this relates to this whole idea of control. And so James is trying to help them rise above that and to cling to God's wisdom in that. And in the midst of that, he highlights this mistake that we all can make. And he's addressing the hearers right here. 
Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. Now, what's wrong with that? Well, there's nothing wrong inherently with that, but it's what's behind it is what James is about to say. In verse 14, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you're like vapor for a little while and vanishes. Instead, you should say, if wills, we will live and do this and that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. Now, think about this for a moment. How many of you, when you wake up in the morning, you're just like, whatever the day brings, I'm just going to lean into it, right? There's some of you, you just, you're just, I'll just do whatever. I'm, I, I don't need to plan everything out. There's some of you that are like that. And then there are some of you Maybe you're even married to people like that, that that drives you crazy, right? It's like, I need to have things lined up. I, can, I need to operate with a plan, right? Well, what's James saying here? Is he, is he arguing for an unplanned life? Is he arguing for uh, not doing business well and making a profit? No, not at all. In fact, the word there, profit, is the same word that uh, Matthew uses in Matthew 25 when he talks about the parable of the talents. And in that parable, that word profit was actually something that was affirmed, that there were resources, talents that were given, and, and those talents were used to gain more profit for the master. And what did the master say, which was really a representative of who God is, well done, good and faithful servant, right? So there's a commendation there, but here there's no com commendation. Why is that? It's because the attitude that James was getting at behind it. In other words, the mistake that we all can make that they were making is we can operate as if we're in control. When ultimately, God is the one that delegates control to us. He is the owner of everything. And when we operate in a way that excuses him from the equation of our plans, of doing life, of dealing with situations, we're acting like we're the ones that are in control. I heard a story about a pastor who spoke on this, and one of his wealthy church members invited him over for lunch, and they walked through this business owner's wealthy guard, his wealthy guard, his gardens and his, and his woodlands and his farm. And then he turns to the pastor and he says, now, are, are you going to tell me that all of this does not belong to me? And the pastor smiled and said, well, ask me that same question a hundred years from now. See, the mistake James is pointing out to is a mistake we all make, and it's operating in this place. I'm the one who actually is in control. Uh, carries this sense of publicly displaying satisfaction in one's own achievement. Now, we're not walking around boasting about ourselves necessarily, but there is a heart issue going on. When we find ourselves stressed and we're trying to see a situation and we're trying to control it, even unintentionally, even if it's a good thing that we want to have as an outcome, but we're trying to control things, we're actually acting like God isn't in control. And that is a very dangerous place to be. 
there was a movie that came out in 2015 called The Walk. And it's a true story about a high wire artist named Philippe Petit. And in 1974, he fulfilled his dream of walking between the two towers of the World Trade Center. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine how terrifying that would be? But early in the movie, there's a scene that describes an event that happened with Philippe early in his career. He was actually in France and he was practicing at a circus under a big top. He was really high up and he was walking on the wire when his mentor walked in below and looked up at him. And he noticed that Philippe was walking along the wire confidently and he got to really close to the platform where he's about to be done, but he wasn't quite there yet. And in that moment, he stopped, he hesitated, and then he assertively went forward. And in the midst of that, the wire shook violently. In fact, he started to fall. And as he's starting to fall, he releases the pole and it's plummeting to the ground and he clings to the wire with his two hands, barely escaping certain death. He finally makes his way to the edge and he finally comes down. He's breathing heavy and he sees his mentor, Papa Rudy. And Papa Rudy looks at him and he says this, most wire walkers, they die when they arrive. They think they've arrived, but they're still on the wire. And if you have three steps to do and you take those steps arrogantly, if you think you're invincible, you're gonna die. See, when we feel out of control, when we are feeling overwhelmed or stressed and we're trying to balance the peace by controlling it, maybe we're acting like we're invincible. Maybe we're acting like we have more power than we really have. And unintentionally, we're kind of taking God's spot and thinking, I can do this on my own when we can't. Maybe we're trusting too much in ourselves. Maybe we're trusting in something else or someone else for our own glory, our own desires, our own dreams. And maybe that's the thing that's ultimately killing us inside. It's killing our peace. And maybe we're, if we continue on in that, we're going to wither under the illusion of trying to be, to be able to control that. Maybe for some of us in here right now, that's what we're doing. We're making this mistake. We're, we're carrying a weight and a pressure and a burden we're not meant to carry. God wants to free us from that today. You're not invincible. Neither am I. But we don't have to despair about it. And we don't have to be passive about it either. But we'll get to that in a second. Let's look at the second mistake that we can make that keeps us from releasing control. We feel out of control and finding freedom. Here's the second thing. The second mistake we can make is this. We seek control because we think it will bring us happiness. We seek control because we think it will bring us happiness. You know, when you ask the average person what their definition of the American dream is, my guess you're going to get a, a couple of different answers, but, but they kind of tend to fall into these different categories. And, and there's many surveys about this, but here's one. American dream is really to be free to accomplish anything. 
I mean, talk about arrogant. <laughs> it's freedom to accomplish anything, right? Or it's free to say or do whatever we want. 68%. It's for their children to be financially better off. What's wrong with that? 64% of that. And others said to be financially secure. 61% said that. Now, what's so bad about that? Again, at its core, is there anything inherently wrong with that? Not necessarily, but it's the things behind it, right? And as James wrote his letter, by the way, James was the half-brother of Jesus. And James, I'm sure, knew all about the words and the parables that Jesus had shared in other parts of the Bible. So if you have the Bible or you're following along, let's hop over to Luke chapter 12. And there's a parable about a rich fool that James would have been aware of and that Jesus encountered a man who had a very honest question, but that highlighted the mistake, again, that we all can make. He was seeking happiness in the pursuit of money. In Luke chapter 12, verse 13, someone from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Friend, he said to him, who appointed me a judge or arbiter over you? He then told him, watch out and be on guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of possessions. See, back in those days in Jewish tradition, the older brother would be the one that would get double the inheritance. And at the right time, he would be the one to distribute the rest of the inheritance to any other brother or sibling. And what is happening here is Jesus is saying, I'm not going to address that issue. I'm not going to be the arbiter there, but I'm going to get to the real issue. The real issue is what's going on in your heart. As you're wanting to control this situation, because ultimately you're seeking happiness, thinking that financial security or money is somehow going to address all of your needs, and you're missing it. And so Jesus tells him this story. Verse 16, a rich man's land was very productive. And he thought to himself, what should I do? Since I don't have anywhere to store my crops. I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Great, take it easy. Eat, drink, enjoy yourself. Now, in the original language, that, that phrase, take it easy there, it's actually where we get the phrase, chill out from. Okay, not really. But ultimately, the original language means diaphragm. And that's where you take a big sigh of relief. And isn't that what so many of us are pursuing? We're, we're, we're looking for the places and pockets to have peace where we can take a deep sigh of relief like we're laying back in our easy chair. And maybe we're pursuing financial goals and careers. We're trying to find ways to secure ourselves financially. And again, is there anything wrong with that in itself? No. But what happens is if we deceive ourselves thinking that that finally will be the channel to happiness, we'll come up short. And Jesus is saying, I don't want you to fall into that trap. I don't want you to think that trying to control all of those things is going to bring you what you ultimately need or desire. In fact, here's the problem. As the story continues, life is not about this. 
this man in the parable, his life was about to end. His life was, quote, demanded of him, which literally means it was on loan from his creator. Verse 20, you fool. The very night your life is demanded, the things you have prepared, whose will they be? In other words, it's all got to go back in the box. I was just playing Monopoly with my, my, little, uh, my little Phoebe June, my youngest, a couple days ago, and it all goes back in the box no matter what. She beat me, by the way, which was really annoying. And we ultimately, though, had to put it all back in the box. And it's the same thing comes with our life. So you work with all this stuff. You chase after all this stuff. You want to relax. You want to have peace. And yet, boom, gone. Your life is gone. It's all got to go back in the box anyway. Verse stores up treasure for himself and it's not and is not rich towards God. See, do you know what stresses out most of our young people, our 18 to 22 year olds? What what stresses most of them out is this. 78% said money. 65% said health. 64% said work. 56% said family, 55% personal safety, 55% said relationships. But that doesn't just stress the 18 to 22 year olds out, that stresses us all out, right? And that was even pre-COVID. And COVID just exacerbated all of that. And what do we do when we feel all of that stress to try and find happiness in all these different pockets of our life on our own? We'll go to great lengths, even destructive lengths, to deal with those stresses. In fact, we can numb ourselves, we can medicate ourselves. In fact, tragically, some even take their own lives because they just cannot find any place of hope or relief. And this is the farthest thing from God's desire. He made every single person in his image and he loves us. And so when we're in these type of situations, we can settle for little pockets of happiness in our own making that's here one minute and ultimately is gone tomorrow. And Jesus is saying in this parable, I want you to be aware of that. That is a mistake we all fall into. Maybe for some of us, this is the mistake God wants to free us from right now. That life is found in him. It's not having those other things. Life is found in serving. And quite honest with you, uh, earlier this week, I, I mentioned this in our weekly email. By the way, if you are not on our weekly email, you have got to sign up for that because there's a bunch of great stuff that we're doing as a church family that we want to invite you into that you need to be aware of. So anyway, I wrote this in the weekly email, but I started to sing as I reflected upon what I'm about to share with you in a moment. Because there were some things I was carrying this week. There were some burdens I was feeling. And as I was, as I was preparing for this message and I was looking at this myself, I suddenly realized, oh my goodness, this is a good reason to bust out and sing. Yeah, I was alone in my house. I sang off key. It was pretty awful. And let's just say I made a joyful noise. But this is something that caused me actually to sing. There is a who wants to free us from those stresses. There is a God who cares so deeply about what we're going through. He does not want us to continue to feel out of control 
and strive to get things under control on our own strength, our own power. He wants to release that control. So how do we do that? Well, first, we need to be aware of those two mistakes. Again, let's recap. We tend to think we're in control more than we really are, or we tend to assume we need to control things to find happiness. And the problem is, feeling better has oftentimes become more important than finding God. And God is like, I don't want you to settle for that. But what we really need when we feel out of control is to release control. And that's why here's the big idea, you guys. If you're taking notes, here's the big idea I want you to leave with today. It's this. We can find freedom by surrendering control to God. We can find freedom by surrendering control to God. See, the life of faith, it's about first placing your faith in Jesus Christ as the son of God who died on the cross and rose from the dead to take on your sin and my sin, take on the punishment of that sin, to give us forgiveness, to give us his spirit, to bring new life. There's that first act of surrender. But then there is a second process of surrender, and it's a daily choice of surrendering ourselves over to the will of God and to trust him to take control. And Jesus tells us right here how we can actually do that. Because some of you are thinking, Aaron, I'm just checking Jesus out. I don't even know if I believe all this stuff. How on earth could I possibly do that? And Jesus tells us because of God's character, because of his promises, because of who he is, you have every reason to surrender control to him and trust that he will bring freedom to your life as a result of that. So I'm going to go through these very quickly. Four surrender. So follow these along in your notes, write these down, but it's right out of Luke chapter 12, verse 22. It's right after the parable of the rich fool. Jesus, he's talking to his disciples and he's talking to us today. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or about the body, what you will wear for life is more than food and more than clothing. In other words, here's the first point. You are invaluable. You are invaluable to God. Have you thought about it? Isn't so much of our seeking control because we're trying to feel loved? We're trying to feel accepted. We're trying to carry out an image so that we'll be looked upon highly in the world. When we understand how valuable we are to God, even in the midst of our sin, even in the midst of our brokenness, even in the midst of our imperfections, it's pretty compelling to want to just surrender control to the one who already sees us as valuable no matter what. Notice he says in verse 24, consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They don't have a storeroom or a barn yet. Feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than the birds? Absolutely. You are invaluable to God. Is a gift from God. Your life is a gift from God. To his lifespan by worrying. If then you're not able to do even little, why worry about the rest? Your life is from God. See, a lot of people think, hey, it's my body. I can do with it whatever I want to. But the Bible says, wait a minute. God actually knows you even while you're in the womb. He knows you even before you were born. 
You are God's creation. You are made in his image. You are inherently valuable. And one of the greatest lies we can believe is that it's my own body. It's my own life. I can do with it whatever I want. Well, ultimately, God has given you an aspect of agency. Absolutely. But the ultimate control comes from the one who created you in the first place. And if your life is a gift from God and you can't do anything else to add to it aside from what God allows, maybe it is better to simply surrender control to him. Third, your provision is a promise of God. Your provision is a promise of God. Verse 27, consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin or thread, yet I tell you, not even Solomon. King Solomon was the wealthiest king of Israel in its, in its history. Solomon in all of his splendor was born like one of these. Verse 28, if that's how God clothes the grass today and is thrown into the furnace tomorrow, how much more will he do for you, you of little faith? Your provision is a promise of God. Now I know there's a difference between need and want. I get that. But again, when you start to realize the character of God and his love for you, his provision for you, that his life is a gift from you, you start to realize, oh, yeah, this whole idea of surrendering control to him isn't such a bad deal, is it? And so lastly, here's the last point to surrender. It's this. You choose what controls you. You choose what controls you. The reality is, if we don't choose to surrender control to God, we will choose to be controlled by something else. And so surrender is actually not a passive thing. It's an active thing. It's an active trust in who God is and what he is committed to doing. And so notice what it says in verse 29. Don't strive for what you should eat and what you should drink and don't be anxious. That's a choice for the Gentile world. That means just outside of God's family world. Eagerly seeks all the, there is a constant striving, right? I mean, you just look around, people are constantly stressed out. They're striving for all this and saying, your father knows that you need those things. He knows that. He wants to provide that for you. What you need, not necessarily what you want. Notice verse 31, but seek his kingdom and these things will be provided for you. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights to give you the kingdom. You have a father that delights to give you things, to bless you, not to worship those things, not to believe that happiness is found in our things, but to the one who actually gives them to us. Verse 33, sell your possessions. inexhaustible treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys for where your treasure is there your heart will also be we can have freedom and it's all about surrendering control to the god who loves us who sacrificed his own son for us but gives us a choice you can go ahead and strive after things. You can go ahead and try to control things. You can chase after those things. But if you do, you'll be acting like you're invincible when you're really not. 
You'll be taking my place on the throne of your heart where that's where I actually deserve to be and have what you need the most. You know, I was in a relationship before I met my wife. I was dating a gal. I thought I was going to get married to her. In fact, we did get engaged. But one of the things that became very apparent as we were dating was relationship. And I kept trying to make it work. And I was working really hard. Like, I got to make this thing work. And I thought I was giving this relationship over to God. I honestly thought I was. But there were parts and times in my life I clearly was not trying to force this relationship to work. And even after we had gotten engaged, it didn't quite feel right. We went to counseling. We went through all this stuff. And here's what I realized. inside: I was afraid. I was afraid this was my last chance. I was afraid that I was going to be single when I didn't want to be single. I was afraid I was going to be alone. I was afraid. Someone said, enough. I said, God, you're enough. God, I'm just going to trust you with this. I don't get it. I don't know why this is happening, but I'm, I'm done trying to strive for it, and I'm just going to give you over control. It was a painful process, but once I did, I released it. I felt this freedom. And maybe for some of you, you're in that right now. Maybe it is a relationship or a dream or a circumstance or a financial situation or a health outcome that you are freaking out about, you're stressed about, and maybe, just maybe, today is the day that God wants you to release it back to him, or maybe to him for the very first time. And I don't know about you, but that's usually my problem, is I keep holding on, when ultimately what God is wanting me to do is to obey him, to follow him, to trust him, and to surrender to him. And so I mentioned this whole thing of breaking out in song earlier this week. Some of you are thinking, well, what did you sing? <laughs> I sang a song that's part of an old hymn that says, I surrender all. I surrender all. Jesus, I surrender all. And for some of you, that's what you need to sing right now. You need to sing that right now in your heart. You need to sing that through prayer. You need to sing that over a relationship, a dream, a, a challenge, a situation, a conflict that you've been stressed out about. Maybe it's time to stop living out of control and trying to get under control, but to release control. And how do you do that? You pray, Jesus, I surrender all. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to release the outcome to you. And that's all we can you just imagine right now that one area in your life right now that you are stressed out about? What if you prayed that right now? I want to invite you to pray that right now. Jesus, I surrender all. For some of you, you've never prayed that before. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've just been checking Jesus out. Literally right now, you can become a child of God and all these promises are yours as you start to walk with God by simply praying this, Jesus, I surrender all to you. Pray that right now. If you are interested in taking your next step into a relationship with God, it's that easy. And you'll journey. You'll be a child of God. You say, Jesus, I surrender all. Forgive me for my sin. I want a relationship with you. I believe you're the son of God that you rose from the dead for me. 
I surrender all. You pray that right now, you're a child of God. You got to tell the people around you. You got to let us know, message us. We want to celebrate with you about that. But can you imagine you guys this week? Here's what I want you to do. Here's your homework. This week, every single day, for seven days, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray at least one time during the day, especially when you feel stressed. Jesus, I surrender all. Will you commit to doing that this week? Jesus, I surrender all. And just see what God does in giving you freedom from whatever it is that is stressing you out and causing you anxiety and worry and fear. Take a moment and think about what Jesus could do as you you prayed that prayer. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for inviting us into freedom. And it's all because of what you've done. And so, Lord, would you help each and every one of us look at those areas in our life where we are so wanting to control it and to simply lift out our hands and open up our palms and say, Jesus, I surrender all. And know that ultimately, whatever you want to have happen will happen because you are so good and you are so powerful and you love us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God is so good. I'm so grateful that we have a God who wants us to walk in freedom. He doesn't want us to be stressed. He doesn't want us to be worried. He doesn't want us to be afraid. He wants us to trust him. And it's hard. I know every single day I feel like I've got to pray multiple times a day. Jesus, I surrender all. My prayer for you is this week, every single day, That's your prayer. You will pray, Jesus, I surrender all. And you will find a little bit more freedom this week. I'd love to pray for you. Hey, before you go and before I pray, I want to remind you, if you need prayer of any kind, we've got a prayer team. They would love to pray with you right after the service. Go ahead and make sure you sign up for that in the Zoom chat. And one of the things we love to do at Mission Life Church is this, is we love to have you extend your hands open like this to receive the blessing. There's nothing magical about it. It's just a posture of receiving and of surrender. So will you pray with me? Extend your hands and your palms. Jesus, thank you so much that you are the God who cares deeply about us living in greater freedom, freedom to enjoy and delight in you, to trust in you. Life is not found in the abundance of possessions. Life is not found in controlling every circumstance. Life is not found in finding what we think will bring us happiness. Life is found in you. That's why we're called Mission Life Church. It's because the abundant life is in Jesus Christ. And so we cry out to you, Lord. We thank you. Would you release us from the burdens that we're carrying that we were never designed to carry? Help us, God, to surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, you guys. We'll see you next week.